we go. Hey everyone, this is Faye from Faye's World Media and I can't believe I scheduled this kind of last minute and have Annette McDonald agreed to chat with me and have this part to be recorded. So thank you so much, Annette, for joining me today. I appreciate this recording so much. Thank you so much, Faye, for having me. I am so excited that we're getting a chance to catch up. As spontaneous as it is, I look forward to having this conversation with my friend. Oh, I love that. And so funny, before I hit record, I promise this is going to be like two friends hang out at Starbucks. I know that I my intro at the beginning sounds a little bit formal just because when our listeners kind of tune in either on YouTube or, you know, on the podcast side, I just want to make sure that, you know, there's certain energy uh, as part of this. But uh, first, let me briefly introduce you and our encounter. For people who don't know how I met Annette, the story is just incredible. Uh, that was during my 2018 documentary shoot, actually right before interviewing Seth Godin. And uh, I found Annette, we became like fast friends and, and kept in touch over the years. And little did I know as a podcaster, I was so intrigued by her story as an entrepreneur. And, and in this episode, we're going to talk about her as an entrepreneur and as a, uh, you know, how do I call it an avid thrifter, how you're able to teach thrifting to women who have experienced uh, domestic violence and, you know, living in shelters. But most importantly, what triggered this conversation as crazy as it sounds as I got so deep into made on Netflix, M A I D and without giving away the plots at all. And it's just such a, unbelievable story my mom was there watching the whole time with chinese subtitles and we just we we had we binge watched the whole thing and um let's just say when it comes to episode eight it was just so triggering for me that i had to reach out to you directly and just and then during this month of october um which is awareness month for women who experience domestic violence i think we really need to connect and and may make this issue uh, highly visible so that's a long introduction. Thank you, Annette, for being here. Thank you so much, Faye. Thank you so much again for having me. And as you said, uh, I'm so happy you reached out to me during this time of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And each time we can shed awareness and, and spread the light of this subject that is so, it's still often just kept in silence and, and thrives in secrecy as well. So each time we get an opportunity to talk about domestic violence, um, I'm always uh, one to look forward to that and to shed whatever light we can on it. So thank you again for bringing this topic to light in this month. It is so necessary. If I can be Super frank, I have the privilege to meet you, to have a very deep conversation back in, I think, early 2019, um, even 2018, and I got to learn so much. But I didn't realize the depth of the issue, frankly, and you brought me to a whole new level that I never experienced before. Uh, personally, I don't know, at least I don't know at the service level, nobody ever revealed that to me, whether my friends or people, my colleagues have ever experienced domestic violence. Like you said, it, this thing, this issue thrives in secrecy. And I don't, I just don't know anyone. I've never had this conversation, but then watching the, the watching the film, it's not a documentary. It is an, uh, you know, a short, a limited series on Netflix and just kind of brought like, kind of just kind of feels like it pushed me over the edge to have such a strong desire to learn more and how easy it is for women in particular to fall in the trap and not even realize that what domestic violence is. They believe, for instance, like, let's get into it, like to help people who watch this to understand. People believe they have to get beaten up, you know, bruised. Uh, it has to be like incredibly violent, um, violence against them. But turns out it it also includes, yeah, please, please tell us yeah, how, yeah. How, to, oh, how to see this yeah. clearly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because those are some of the misconceptions about domestic violence that you're you're typically coming in or you're you're seeing the typical, uh, which is not very typical, of black-eyed person or bruised or or battered. But domestic violence, uh, it, it it really it's about power and control. Mm -hmm. It impacts one physically. Mm -hmm 
psychologically, emotionally, financially is huge. The economic cost of domestic violence is huge as well. Those are some of the things that uh, you often don't talk about. You don't, we, we don't hear about those coercive controlling patterns, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of uh, people who are, are feeling threatened, even if they open the door, mm-hmm. right? To leave their house. Uh, you, you, you're not hearing about the, the fear that, that really uh, causes people to stay in relationships at times. So I am... It, it, it's it's incredible when we hear just about the physical impact of right. domestic violence and not the other pieces mm-hmm. in context, which is the psychological, emotional, the manipulative behaviors that keep people in fear of even leaving that relationship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, uh, I can, I can, let's get in there deeper. I feel like there's a parallel to when people hear about sexual abuse I mean, literally people don't talk about it and they think about intercourse, right? Like it's forced intercourse, but it's as crazy as, as it goes. There's so many steps before that could happen. And that's one form. There are many other forms of sexual abuse that unfortunately men and women are just completely unaware of. Um, mm-hmm. And I also recently learned that domestic violence doesn't just happen to women, it happens to men and even in you know same-sex relationships or, or otherwise. Um, and, and it's, it's very revealing and, and watching this, I, I realize what I want to surface and to discuss as someone who I have not experienced domestic violence myself, but I get to learn that it doesn't start with a punch. It doesn't start with very extreme scenarios as opposed to, it is very, it's almost like it's, it's boiling in a very silent way. I think about the, the metaphor of like boiling a frog like just turn it up just enough. The frog doesn't even know, <laughs> you know, and then the next thing you know, you, you are trapped. You can't get out. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the signs on that like people should be aware of as a sign yeah, of domestic so, violence? Yeah. So first, let me just say, you know, re- remembering domestic violence is a pattern of, con- you know, controlling coercive behaviors that leads to, uh, again, the physical assault, the sexual assault, um, psychological, all those uh, parts, right? It also, one of the things that we we would need to remember as well, it is a crime, mm-hmm. right? It is a crime. You have dating violence, you have domestic violence, sexual assault, and, and stalking as well. Mm-hmm. And th- when you talk about some of the subtle things, right, that leads up to some of the more violent acts, stalking and stalking is something that we just say and stalking but stalking is is big yeah right scary yeah it's it's very scary so we need to remember that Mm -hmm. and you talk about some of the the signs some of those red flags sometimes there aren't there there aren't uh signs in front of you that you can recognize right right? but then there there are signs that um uh those those patterns of, you know, who, who are you hanging out with? Mm -hmm. Little questions like that, you know, so why do you have to go to your mom's house uh, so often? These are little, these are subtle things. So why do you have to hang out with Faye, Mm. Uh, you know, every Friday? Mm-hmm. And you're not thinking about that. Well, why, why, you know, why do you need to, why aren't you coming home? Um, it's six o'clock. You should be home. Yeah. It's six Oh five. You're not, you're not thinking about that because you're, you're with an intimate partner and you're not thinking that it's going to lead into other things. You're thinking it's just normal, right? Someone saying, someone questioning you, someone uh, saying, uh, well, um, don't you think that dress is a little too short for you to wear? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're not thinking about that. You're thinking, oh, this person cares what I look like Mm -hmm. going outside. Right. Well, in fact, it can become another thing. Well, why are you hearing where you're here this way? And it, yeah, so it just leads to things that are subtle until it becomes, a, you notice a pattern, until you become fearful. If you don't wear that, or if you wear that, then what's going to happen to me? Yeah. Right? Interesting. So it so, leads up. Tiny yeah. little things that leads up mm-hmm. and can lead up to very threatening conversations. Right. You know what the crazy thing is I'm learning about 
from the film again is the support system is often not there and that's the scary part because i feel so privileged to say this that if something that i don't feel quite right you know i have someone to go to i have more than one person to go to to say hey you know it could be a female friend could be a guy friend to say this doesn't quite feel right to me maybe something as subtle as like an i don't know an employment contract or or something you know that i i deal with on on a everyday basis oh you know is a long guy's charging too much and you know can i have a better deal somewhere but i realize that when watching this series i realize a lot of the times the could be this woman's mother uh, girlfriend or sister or aunt who say you're gonna be okay you know and that to me that was the most hurtful thing is for families who you know would know you uh prior to this having this domestic partner they should understand they should be able to see but they don't and then sometimes they they don't instead of pulling you out you know they push you to the bottom and and you can't it's so hard to fight it makes you question yourself your own judgment could, could we maybe chat about that too yeah so you know it, and 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 again because it's it's an it, at times it's an intimate intimate partner relationship though it happens uh, it can be uh, a person you have a child in common with it can be someone you're you're living with um you know domestic partners and of course we mentioned it it crosses all boundaries right religion uh, lgbtqia communities it this is a crime that happens to in 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 all sorts of walks of life and all sorts of life uh, you know lifestyles no matter what it it's happened to someone you know there's a stats one in three women mm-hmm. right will be impacted mm-hmm. by domestic violence right in in their lifetime so that's that's a lot mm-hmm. that's a lot of people and when you're talking about a crime that is so close to you it's so close it's 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 the 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 minister uh, that everybody knows that you're that the mom knows and he is the pillar of the community. It's the doctor, it's the teacher, and you're not expecting that, right? But the person who's actually living in that situation, the person who's going through that uh, power and control, that control in their lives, and we're looking on the from the outside we're looking at and saying oh no that he that's him i can't believe that yeah right you don't Uh, you don't see it you've never even witnessed it possibly yeah you're not witnessing it and Mm -hmm. and then you're there telling a mom or telling a sister that he's doing this they're not wanting to believe that because everybody wants to see that side that's good they don't want to see that you're being hurt yeah. And that's that can be the most difficult thing. So it's important that we know how to respond when someone comes to us, a family member or a friend comes to us and say, I'm going through this. It's important to listen mm-hmm. and to believe. Yeah. And to validate and just simply say, I'm so sorry you're going through this. How yeah. can I help? Yeah. Yeah. How can I help rather than judging? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? We, we come to judge people so easily, so quickly. Uh, it becomes like that old tape that keeps, you know, it's just mem- muscle memory. And, and I forgot, I mean, I kind of come right in and, you know, I, I will leave your contact information below, but Annette, you founded Access Family Services, AFS. That's how you remember it, AFS. <laughs> And I always swap the two to two letters, uh, <laughs> nj.org. And it's it's part of her um, name and, and signature right now. But, uh, and there's a hotline. I think what, what's interesting is we're talking about the educational part of this too, is that people are like, am I experiencing this? Or is she going through this right now? So instead of guessing, you do have a hotline and you have something, you have someone. Yes. Um, could you talk to us about the hotline and what does it do and, and how can we not flood it? And like, what, what is a real situation people should really call out for? No, um, you know, you know it, the hotline is there 24 hours a day. Wow. So, uh, so part of the services that Access Family Services administer is one, the 24 hour hotline. And I'll give the, 
the hotline number as well. So we have the 24-hour hotline. We have a safe house that's also in an undisclosed location where we serve up to 15 women and children. We also added a new program to our array of services, myriad of services that we have, which includes a transitional housing program as well. The transitional housing program is that program where by if a woman is in the shelter and she needs a little bit more time mm -hmm. to get additional, additional counseling help, get uh, additional um, you know, job training, uh, she can also access that once she's transitioned to that transitional living program as well. So it just gives her a little bit more time to get to that independence and self-sufficiency that's so necessary after leaving a domestic violence uh, relationship. And yeah. uh, we found that it is probably one of the, the best thing uh, for helping survivors get on their feet as well. So the hotline, as, as I mentioned before, the number is 862-444-3126. And that hotline is accessible 24 hours a day. It's open to families. It's open to friends who may know people who are in the situation of uh, experiencing some intimate partner violence, some domestic violence, stalking, sexual assault, whatever it, it might be. And you might need to call mm -hmm. so that you can talk with a trained advocate on the phone wow. to talk about safety planning. Uh, it might be safety planning if they're leaving the relationship mm -hmm. or safety planning if they're staying in the relationship and planning on leaving as well. So the hotline is, is the first step to getting the information and talking to a trained advocate. Wow. And I encourage anyone who is experiencing any sort or form of intimate partner violence to please reach out. Yeah, please reach out guys. Uh, years ago, I interviewed Samaritans, you know, the suicide hotline. I cannot emphasize enough what an endeavor an organization has to take on to make sure that somebody's there and it's available. And so, Annette, I was just wondering, like, in order to have that system and that mechanism set up, like, how many callers do you need? And are, are these volunteers? I mean, like, it, it's just incredible. How many calls do you guys get? I know that changes, especially during COVID, just adds another layer of come you know complexity on top yeah absolutely yeah uh, covid certainly uh, you know impacted our services now we're serving um more victims uh, than even before as well which is when people reach out for help we, we like to think we're trying to say at, at least impacting saving one life at, at a time uh, providing some information so that people can get uh, the, the chance to explore options, options for safety, options for housing, et cetera. Uh, the hotline is manned by staff, sometimes staff and, and, and volunteers, mm -hmm. uh, 24 hours, as I said, um, wow. 365 days. We're, we're never off. There's always someone there to take that call of urgent need. Mm. or information it's there for information and referral as 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 well yeah i i remember you mentioned there are 15 beds um in this uh in this place and i i don't know what is the actually what is the proper name is it called a shelter is it where it's not a shelter it's a, it's a safe house it's a safe house. shelter yeah but it's safe a house. safe house for uh women and and children fleeing domestic violence Wow. So yes, and our safe house is called Sylvia's Place. Sylvia's Place. What uh, happens in the cases of having 15 beds? And I can't, I mean, think about it for a second. Like we think of 15, like, oh, it should be 50, should be 500. Mm -hmm. It takes a long, it takes a lot of work to create a place and think about our own homes, uh, how to make it comfortable. And uh, mm -hmm. we're going to get into some details because people think, you know, it's not as, it, it's, I can't speak to all safe safe houses or um, shelters but the place that you're describing it just to me it's filled with love warmth and there are other shelters I've I've been to especially for domestic violence it's just wow what a what a lovely place to be in paintings toys iPads and like you know it might not be the newest edition or versions but <laughs> you could see just the care I mean what goes into it um so yeah. I guess right like I, I guess like before we get into the setup of it what happens when people 
what happens if people need to stay a lot longer and the beds are so limited versus you having to turn people away? Like how, how does that work? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so 15 beds is not a lot of beds uh, for the, for the need, but it's more than uh, what we had before, right? It's a place of where 15 women and children have access to safety temporarily for 30, 60, some over 90 days and more. Uh, If our spaces are filled, we also here in New Jersey have other shelters uh, that are specific to domestic violence that we can reach out to and call and of course, coordinate services uh, between those other programs that are in New Jersey. So we're fortunate to have uh, those other um, counties that have at least one Mm -hmm. shelter in each of the counties. And and so that if we are full, we can definitely call and try to get somebody else to help. Now we're utilizing uh, some of the hotels as well, um, especially during COVID. Uh, just some specific hotels so that we can continue to provide services and serve uh, serve survivors, especially if they're um, impacted by COVID with infection, et cetera, et cetera. So Mm. yeah, we're fortunate that we have this opportunity uh, during the pandemic to, to do that. Wow. And I want to talk about things that people don't think about, like when you leave your home, right? Like what, I live in a, a very comfortable home. I made it exactly the way I wanted to be. I, I bought a home uh, recently, about a year ago. And mm. you know, when I, thank you, when I travel, congratulations, thank you. It's so exciting. I mean, like I know, like I now having this compared to the the days that I were, you know, living in dorms, like traveling as an international student, and then didn't feel like I actually had a home. That's that's one level, but actually losing your home and have to flee and have to not take anything, perhaps just your car if you're lucky and some some pieces of clothing, maybe just the ones that you're currently wearing, none of your digital devices. Now think about that for a second. And now you're possibly with a young child, not mm-hmm. someone who could take care of you. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And it just adds up from there. So let's, can we talk about like what usually are there in the shelter and then you being so artistic creative and that's what our podcast is about like i think you really exercise your creativity to the fullest in a place that's called a safe house or shelter let's dive in yeah so you know having a space where it feels first of all our services are also you know you know trauma-informed meeting survivors where they are not judging understanding how culture intercepts intersects as well uh, with what they're going through, um, race, etc. We're very, very intentional in terms of the design of the shelter, and that it is a place where they feel it's a home like setting. So I remember, I'll give you this, this, this story, I remember this child walking in uh, the first time in our shelter, and he looked up and he's like, this is the shelter? this is my bathroom, right? So they're, you know, they're coming from all over, all walks of life. You don't know their experience, but when they come in there and they feel it's, it looks like a grandma's house or it looks like their auntie house, that helps them get adjusted to a space where, you know, it's, it's all new to them. Yeah. Right. Mom is worried. Mom is worried how her child is going to adjust to the space. She's doing the best that she can mm-hmm. uh, for her children. And so it was intentional for us to make sure that it is a comfortable space. Their rooms are comfortable. The bathrooms are comfortable. The staff greeting them is, yeah. uh, you know, is compassionate. Yeah. And yeah. most of our, I'm happy to say that we have amazing teams of volunteers and staff that actually are living their purpose in helping these these families. And I have to tell you, when when I see, especially for me, when I see a family who comes into the safe house and they're inspired to move on and and just get a life of their their own free from violence. Yeah, I know that I'm doing the right thing. I know that I'm living my purpose and and making sure that these families are are safe 
those kids yeah. when I see them and they're smiling and they're running around and they're playing with their toys mm. and they feel safe yeah. that gives me joy I a thousand percent believe it after during watching the, the whole series I talked to my mom I said you know I have a friend named Annette who is I can tell I mean I said I, I see her I speak to her for five minutes I know that she can she would have no problem making it a Wall Street. She could be a banker, she could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, whatever you wanted to be. I'm serious, you may not, that may not be your favorite thing to be, but you've got what it, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and actually make money, we, you know, um, which is a, still a big part of your life. But instead, you, you choose this path um, that, is, that is with a lot of challenges, but it's also with a lot of rewards that is indescribable because you know, recently one of my projects is about childhood cancer and it's mm. extremely challenging. I know a number of these 16, 20 year old young women, uh, they love, they spend nights and weekends servicing these families, like bring them foods, bring toys, taught you reading stories. And I say, I, I asked them, I was like, mm, are you, you know, is that, is that a cool thing to do? Are, are you like respected by your peers? They're like, no, they think we're such dorks. Right. Um, <laughs> but they love, I'm like, why wouldn't you like, why wouldn't you want to go to the mall with your friends like during the weekend? And she says, I just can't. I like the amount of joy and not just significance, but joys, connection, contribution that you experience for such project, you can't step away. And, and I couldn't, this is like precisely, my mom's like, I totally get it. I get why <laughs> Annette is so into this. Um, I want to like, talk about oh I, I i realize i always like talk a lot and then can move on <laughs> i'll give you a moment to, to breathe <laughs> okay no yeah. you know it, it's interesting is you, know, you say that question like why do this why not go to wall street and do xyz mm. you know i i say to myself sometimes it's it's interesting because my mom and I'm not sure if I share this. I might have shared this with you anyway. My mom is a 40-year survivor of uh, domestic violence herself. She mm -hmm. was. Wow. Let me say she was. Mm -hmm. And and growing up, I watched uh, what she had gone through, and wondering how I how how could I help her? But through all of her challenges, Faye, mm. she survived. She thrived. She helped other women and children stay safe in her own home. Wow. That's what she did. That's what I saw. But not knowing that one day I would be doing this work wow. <laughs> and be, you know, beginning with volunteering, I realized that my passion for this work was where I needed to be. You know, 19 years later, 20 years later, I founded Access Family Services. Mm -hmm. it's another entrepreneurial path, but it was a necessary one that I know it was, it was where I needed to be. So thankfully with uh, the community, with wonderful people who knew how to help put this program together, mm -hmm. we were able to afford, of course, the, the services that we're, we're doing now and that I'm a part of and, and that I love and, I, I, you talked about thrifting at the beginning. Yeah, I absolutely love that. The fact that yes, when we were developing this program, thrifting was a big part because we had to decorate the the shelter. And I, I brought my 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 passion and my uh, um, what what do you say my um, my love for thrifting into yeah. doing this work, my hobby. Your <laughs> it, hobby. It what was it? Exercise your creative side on a dime. Yeah. <laughs> Thrifnasium, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Exercise your creative side on a dime. Mm -hmm. And I want to like, I'm so glad I took a pause. I, I get excited and I tend to ask a lot of questions. Usually people are like, could you break that down? But you know what you said about your mom uh, who lived through 40 years had such experience and you were part of it. And watching the series made me realize how much of an impact that could have on people who witness that. In particular, you're not just a friend, you know, uh, you, you are um, her daughter, so you lived it. Um, was it, or, or is it triggering for you sometimes um, for you to like say, 
wow, I'm still done with this and I never want to even look back again. And why do you instead, you know, basically ran towards the fire? Hmm. Yeah, interestingly, uh, I know when I when I first began uh, working as a volunteer, that was really understanding myself and understanding what I experienced as a child, what I experienced, you know, watching my family, it was important for me to uh, really realize that I can be triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And if I don't get help and, and talk with someone and really becoming full aware and full disclosure of what I had gone through, I feel at some point that I'm, I'm, I may have remained stuck yeah. and resentful uh, of, of course, the harm doer, my mom's husband at that time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I refused to allow that piece of me to control me. It added to who I am today. So it's not a situation that uh, I can look back and say I regret or have it hold back. Uh, or have it hold me back per se. I use all of that history mm. and that experience to propel me to do what I need to do today. And all of those experiences have shaped my life and my life as an advocate. Mm. One of the recent podcast guests kind of taught me something along the line of don't waste the pain. You know, losing, he mm -hmm. lost his brother to cancer and he created his incredible film. I think it's called My, my Brother Jordan. Um, and and I, what, you, what I'm hearing from you is the same thing. You experience firsthand. You have all this knowledge and, and you're able to, you know, build from that, build from the pain. And, and um, I'm sure on, to a certain degree, it's also comforting and very, um, it could feel like a relief almost uh, that, that you get to do this. But may I ask, what are some of the steps over the years you've taken to make yourself feel better, to, to get back on your feet again? I know that sometimes people don't realize it. sometimes it comes and goes and it's not always just smooth sailing, you know, to, to the East or whatever. And, uh, you know, did you inquire like therapy or, or meditation or whatever that may be? Mm -hmm. So for me, meditation is, is really, really big. I meditate uh, every day. I do not... <clears throat> I don't think I miss a day. I meditate. Okay. I, I, of course, spirituality is absolutely essential in my life. And I tend to be a pretty upbeat, positive person. Mm -hmm. And knowing my mom would say to me, no matter what, it just seemed like she would say, uh, go after your goal, march forth towards your goals, towards your dreams, keep going, don't stop. And throughout all of that, I know that her intention was for us to build up our self-esteem, uh, have that positive attitude in spite of what we were experiencing, right? She believed in so many different things, including education as well. And for me, <clears throat> uh, recognizing when I needed a support system, and that includes a therapist, mm -hmm. It's there's no... Uh, bypassing that for me when I need to talk with someone outside of uh, whatever it is that I'm, I'm going through, then I seek help. There's no shame in seeking help when needed. So through therapies, through prayers, through meditation and eating as healthy as I can, mm -hmm. um, that helps me to stay focused and to get the work done that I need to get done. Mm, with I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing this. There, There is no shame. I think people who have gone through all sorts of traumas going, growing up and some of, some of which are more noticeable or more less popular, let's just say, uh, than, than some of the others. So seeking help is absolutely um, essential. So I, I realize I don't wanna, you know, kind of brush, just brush right through this like thrifting part. To me, it's not what I'm seeing. Like I'm a very visual person and um, watching the series and having donated so much of my clothes to various shelters in Boston, you know, buying and contributing, uh, you know, I feel like sometimes my contribution is so insignificant, but it, it really, you know, and it, it can you know, accumulate, right? You're in, as an individual, you can make a contribution and positive impact, absolutely. And by the way, it's year end for anybody who wants to think about taxations and, and all that gifting. Now's the time to do it, guys. 
And, yes, yes. Right? It's, Can I just stop and say, oh, yeah. like publicly, you know, yay for you. You packed up boxes and sent to our um, shelter for the families there. And they were um, very appreciative and fabulous items. So, yes, it is coming up on year end. So uh, that donation is uh, tax deductible as well. So please oh, feel free, anyone who's watching. Yeah, I mean, I know that when you, I mean, not that I, nobody should desire to be like, you gotta send me photos, but I know you were so lovely. You didn't take pictures of any of your clients, which we understand why, <laughs> but you, you, you were texting me about like your clients really enjoying uh, picking out. I just, I mean, I couldn't really see, I couldn't see any pictures, but I thought to myself, like I could just visualize, imagine, you know, women with their young daughters and sons going through the pile and finding even just that one thing they like um and that really warms my heart and for me to go into my closet and then say i'm just one person why do i have 100 200 items i will <laughs> never i'll never wear them all and yet like while i'm doing this with other people who are freezing and like as we approach this new england weather our tri-state area i mean it, it just it's hard for people to imagine in, in warmer climates like what it means right now to be homeless to be without homes um but also mm. there's a Right. There's a scene and that like I I just I don't know, I love that scene so much in this in this film, which is when um, these women could go into a little area where they can quote unquote shop for clothes and that's all color coordinated and, you know, very, very well organized. And do you guys have a place like how do you actually hand out like yeah, yeah yeah so we so we do and i remember i remember when your box came right you're sort of like oh my god you remember that and that like six when or the seven box came. and we like all 30 sat, pounds <laughs> and we all sat down in our living room at the shelter and they were trying on the shoes and the boots and they were trying on the clothes and picking and they had such a good time doing that and it can take them away from some of their other challenges at the time that they're going through it brings joy it, wow. so it's not just a little donation to them it means a lot more right so i yeah. just want to make sure that that's clear it made such a big difference but we do have a room mm -hmm. um, that we have clothing and at times women can pick out whatever it is that they may need. They may need an outfit for a job interview, mm. a blouse, a scarf, whatever it is, we, yeah. we try to have it for them. Might not be the perfect thing, but it's something that they need right away to get them uh, prepared for job readiness. Because that's a big piece of our program as well, just in case uh, a woman has an interview to go to while they're residing at the safe house or even the transitional housing um, I, program. I can't as wait well. to get into the career part and the entrepreneurial part. And I just have like one last question related to the clothing pieces. As people are listening, watching this, what are some of the items as we sit right now? Like end of October, the weather is getting really rainy. It's going to drop below forty pretty soon, uh, but you know, without me, like, uh, suspecting, assuming what it is, what are some of the items that you guys need the most at the moment, clothing yes. or otherwise? Yeah, sweaters, um, light jackets, um, coats, uh, mm -hmm. of course, um, socks, many people don't think about that, but socks and, and pajamas is in the in the safe house, you have to always maintain something on your feet, right? So yeah. we don't often think about that. But children's socks is also necessary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anything as a suit that a woman may be able to wear for uh, job interviews as well. Right. Um, boys clothing, which yeah. is oftentimes um, very limited in terms of what we get in donation as well. Often um, for girls, yeah. but not yeah. oh, often with boys clothing. Oh, yes, oh. exactly. And it's, gift it's... cards are always good. Um, oh, yeah. They're true. able to gift go out and buy what they need as yeah. well. Wow. This is incredible. Um. Is there an address, uh, like donate? I see there's a donate button on the website right now. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, that's what I did. And um, mm -hmm. there is, uh, is there an address? Where it's a physical address, yes. Yeah, there's a, if the if you look on the website, afsnj.org, there's also a physical address that- and Gateway Center. Yep, in Newark. Sweet 2600, Newark, New Jersey. Got it. Well, this yep. is very, this is very handy. 
Um, okay, so I, I, I want to respect your time, Anna. Do you have like another five, 10 minutes for us to talk oh, about career? And okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, teaching. I, I, there, there are a few areas and, and I know that I can probably talk about them forever, but what comes to mind is you mentioned career that women have to go on interviews, which means they need internet access they need to dress the part and they might even have questions. They might even need coaching because uh, the, you know, for, for them to say, I'm, I'm very fearful of interviews and, um, but, but also you talk about the way that you talk about thrifting, you teach these women um, and children how to be self-reliant, how to be independent, how to understand money, which is frankly, I never learned anything about money until I was 20 years old and not from my parents. So can we maybe talk about those areas together separately as you see fit? Yeah, so you're not the only one. <laughs> you know, we hear these money maps and we're, I never knew anything about budgeting, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important for us. We understand that uh, most of the families that we have coming into our services are impacted by financial abuse. Yeah. 99% of the women we serve have some story of being impacted by economic and financial abuse. And economics is important, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's important for everyone to realize that and domestic violence costs people lose days off from work right due yeah. to being uh, abused that's yeah. that's a fact and once they come and some people of course we talk about some of the women who come in they're given sometimes less than $30 at times to feed a family of four. It's, wow. it's impacts their credits. It impacts all, all sorts, all parts of their lives, period. So when women, when the women come in, we begin at times, we meet them where they are. And when they're ready to discuss um, uh, money management or, or issues relating to their finances, we meet them where they are. We sit with them and help them to develop a spending plan if that's their goal. We plan um, activities around uh, teaching them how to look at what their monthly budget is or monthly spending plan, I, sh I should say. Mm -hmm. And we do that through a grant we receive from Allstate. Right. So the wow. Allstate Foundation, yes, they also um, have a curriculum. It's a five module wow. curriculum that we're able to utilize as well. And with part of that, we implement things like thrifting mm -hmm. and how they can uh, decorate and furnish their homes on a budget mm -hmm. rather than, you know, and rather than going out and buying brand new furniture or buying things that is not within their budget. So they start small and they build and grow until they get their way to financial um, independence. Mm -hmm. We help them to develop a plan to uh, develop an emergency saving plans as well. Um, so it's the, the economic impact is great and it trickles down to what it is that is necessary that they find is necessary for them to get out of the shelter to lead a life of um, financial independence as well. And a part of it is we help uh, talk about, we help develop entrepreneurship as well. If they have uh, something that they're uh, passionate about, it could be making jewelry, it could be making soaps or any kind of personal care item, if that's their goal, we help them to come up with a plan to do that as well. Wow. This is incredible. I mean, I know that not to, it's like, I was just wondering, like there are several organizations I've supported in the past here in Massachusetts. I remember uh, still, first of all, still getting their mailers and all that events, but um, there is a place for, let's say for artists with, um, these folks with, you know, certain mental disability or challenges and you will purchase those items. But would it be, I, I think in the future at one point, would it make sense? Like if enough people at the shelter are making jewelry, soaps, candles, that sort of thing, does it make sense to sell them or, or, you know, from a, does it, from a creative entrepreneurial perspective, is that, that's also work, shipping, <laughs> you know, handling. So what are your thoughts on that? I, listen, any time I think we can help, yeah. we can help a survivor mm -hmm. uh, earn income yeah. in whatever way we can. 
I, I think it's a great idea. I, I have this I have this vision of of having like a, either an online <laughs> store mm-hmm. or a brick and mortar store, but preferably online where survivors can make their products and we can sell it yeah. uh, for them. I mean, in line with that, I I, I have to mention we, we get donations of fabric. And so we, what we have done, we've turned that into uh, making pillows. So we have pillows. Now we have um, pillows for a purpose and it's all beautiful pillows that we make at the safe house. Wow. Our volunteers, our staff, our clients, um, families, I don't like to call them clients because there are families we serve. They also uh, join in at times and we sew pillows and we're able to offer the pillows for sale and have that money's help uh, in some of the ways that they need to uh, assist with, with if they need help with um, finances as well. Isn't it incredible? I mean, I can see some of these items even floating, not all of them, some items floating in the shelter and then it's memory and it's imprints of what, who have been here prior to you. And there is that almost feels like a lineage uh, of connections. People may not relate to you by blood, but relate to you by purpose. And that's an incredible feeling. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I, I had a young, one of the young boys, he sewed his pillow, his first, he's never used a, a, sew a needle and thread before he made his pillow. And he's like, I'm giving this to my friend. And he was mm. so happy sitting wow. there and sewing his, his fabric and stuffing it. And it just gives them a real sense of purpose and, and, a, and a sense of community and belonging while going through the challenges that they face uh, being homeless. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I feel like I could really talk to you forever and that, and one of the areas I want to kind of delve into as our maybe last topic, which is so huge is we start talking about funding grants and I'm currently involved in a number of projects. And one of the biggest challenge, um, one of the biggest challenges would be funding. And these are all very important causes and issues. And I have to say that when you look around and most of these nonprofit organizations, it is hard to survive for them. But yet you've done this for a number of years, even through COVID. Um, That's why I want to have this conversation. But can we open up about maybe some of the approaches you've taken, um, the grants available, how to be resourceful. But on the other hand, like you are you're such an self sufficient like woman like you i think the reason why you're able to do this is because you are entrepreneurial so like could you maybe teach us something share something with us about how to think about it like the mindset of i guess instead of relying on grants alone from the government like wait for something to change so that i can do this like how to balance the two get the grants but also do something yeah so so here here's what i'm going to say to that and it's it's a it's a mindset from the beginning, right? Because this this is a project that in the beginning uh, was was really built on the com- relationships. I can't say enough about partnering with the community, partnering with uh, people. Sometimes you you ordinarily wouldn't expect. We ran into a number of challenges wh- while we were decorate while we were. Uh, I want to say building or putting together the shelter. Mm-hmm. And if anybody is out there and they're thinking of a project, if they are thinking of a goal, I don't know what uh, your personal um, purpose or plan or goal. It might be to start a nonprofit. It might mm-hmm. be to start your own business. If you're uh, a survivor and you're even listening to this and trying to figure it out, it starts with believing and for me, I believed we can do this. I believed it was necessary. So whatever the obstacle uh, that we had, I, I, I just kept telling myself it's possible. When the wall fell apart in the safe house and we needed to move like tons of bricks and it would have cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Again, I said, there's, there's a way, there's a will and we're gonna get it done. But it, again, it's, it's a community involvement. It's really finding people who are in your, your tribe mm-hmm. who know someone, maybe I don't, but the person that I'm associated with knows someone. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, letting that person know your, your vision and having them just identify with your passion, mm -hmm. it will, it will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, when they say, when you, when you know your why, mm -hmm. then, you know, how is right there. It'll come. It'll yeah, come. Isn't right? that you know, your passion, you know, you're driven, you know, we've had this conversation with you. You you were passionate about what you wanted to do and how you mm -hmm. wanted to expand phase world, you know, and mm -hmm. and you did it. It was challenging. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was the, the shelter challenging? Is it still challenging because of funding goes and come? Yeah. But the services are always needed. So it's yeah. up to the, the visionary to really understand where we need to go and what we need to do in order to con be consistent and to continue to provide the services that are much needed. Isn't that well said? It's so true. Um, timing wise, yesterday, someone mentioned Michael Jr.'s work to me and I, I didn't even know who he was. And it's about <laughs> knowing the why. Simon Sinek, same thing, knowing the why. And you'll find a way the what and how will just will come and you have to be passionate about it. Um, and then there's certain things you're just not in it for the money. So, you know, if you're here to make money and you know, you have to look some other ways to do so, but <laughs> true impacts, connections and things you can, um, it is in this case, I think it's very much live saving, not just for, you know, the primary clients, but think about their children and all the people, all the connections that, that they're associated with their direct family, but then other indirect and future relationships, um, mm -hmm. by, yeah, yeah, it, it just, uh, it's huge. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. I, I can't, I can't say enough about the impact of relationships mm -hmm. in, and, and having, having people who are aligned with your vision, having people who are there to say, all right, today looks a little bleak, but what do we learn from today? To propel us on to tomorrow right mm -hmm. uh and you know i know this saying um and i i can't remember who said it but it's like it's a every setback is a setup for a comeback right mm -hmm. it's it's what you learn and how you grow from that challenge that you may be encountering and i've mm -hmm. certainly encountered many throughout this process many mm -hmm. and when i look back i said i I would say to myself, oh, that's the reason why that happened. What was I supposed to learn from it, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. even the impact of my being a child witness and survivor of domestic violence, the impact of even watching my mom go through what she went through. What did I learn from that that propelled me to do what I'm doing today, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's using our experiences for growth. And, and looking at it that way, rather than beating ourselves up and being a victim, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Rather than figuring out how to be a victor yeah. of your experiences. And they don't control you, you control them. Yeah, look at that. I mean, you are in your world, no matter how big or small, even if you're talking to these 15 women, I mean, every word, the impact you have, you know, it's just huge. I don't think it's any less than someone like Tony Robbins, frankly, because, you know, the, the, the people that certain, some people on the, on the podium could speak to, I sure charge a thousand, five thousand dollars So you're, you're, you know, of certain caliber, mm -hmm. certain financial um, means that you can be part of this conversation. But I think about these people who, you know, choose, they didn't choose to be, to be experiencing this but they yeah. choose to come and choose to, you know, another path. And this choice is so hard to make because everything and everyone's pulling you right back to where you started. That was my mm -hmm. feeling, watch the series, but then having a voice like yours and having the support network, um, it's incredible what, what it means yeah. to these people. Yeah, the support network is huge. And I know oftentimes we hear a question, why doesn't she just leave? Mm. That to me is one of the most unbelievably, uh, you know, terrible questions to ask. Mm -hmm. We should be asking, why does the 
harm to or do what he does or she does. Right. And, you know, and I know that we've been speaking, uh, you know, using the pronoun her and, and she as a victim, but we also recognize that they're male survivors and male victims of domestic violence as well. Uh, however, more times I find 84% of the times women are impacted by domestic violence. So I just want to be, be sure that we understand that as well. But um, yes, so the support is unbelievably important that we will give that friend, that mother, that aunt, that uncle, that sister, whoever it is, it's just really understanding and not judging, mm -hmm. right? not judging, being yeah. that support system to say, I am sorry you're going through this mm -hmm. and please let me know how I can help you. Yeah. And, yeah. and to offer a number like the hotline number, if someone is out there and someone needs the assistance, mm -hmm. they can call. Um, there's also a, a national hotline as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that number is eight. I can tell you that number is 800-799-7233. Mm -hmm. And so there's 800-799-SAFE or 800-799-7233. Mm. Wow. So yeah, there's, that's super, super helpful. Um, I saw the website, want to talk about it. And I realized it's actually from Netflix. It's not like a national, <laughs> it was at the end of the movie, but well, this is so <laughs> helpful. This is so helpful on that, like to yeah. understand that. Um, yeah, why no, didn't I you leave? That. Why didn't you just say so? Uh, I think I've been questioned about that of yeah. you know, growing up with, with a very violent grandparents, even though that's mm -hmm. not really, you know, mm -hmm. my mom's like, why didn't you tell me? But I was like, I remember mm -hmm. very clearly I told you. And that has been very challenging for me to to accept for me to work through that I'm pretty sure I did say it, but sometimes people don't hear it. Or like you said, enough learning from you that they they are threatening to kill you to mm -hmm. there are a lot of threats about you stepping out of the door, you coming home at six o'clock. Why do you think it makes it easy for you to take the child to get into a car and drive miles away that they yeah. make it very impossible, very it's not impossible. deadly to you, right? Yeah, very impossible. It's it, it it's so it's so much and understanding um, the you know violence in in context as well. Uh, you're you're trusting someone, mm -hmm. right? You're this is a person that you love. This is a person that you marry, mm -hmm. and so those those red flags. You're you're not paying attention to those red flags. You're not paying attention uh, if he says to you, well. Um, let's let's move away. Um, we'll have a better life in in yeah. Buffalo, right? And you're living in North Carolina, and all your family is there. Let's move away uh, and and join me here. When you get to Buffalo, you realize um, you can't get a job. He wants you to stay home uh, all day and mm -hmm. be dependent financially on this person, mm -hmm. and you're it's just subtly happening where you're, you're stuck at home. You're stuck in the house and yeah. no family, no friends and isolation, right? Yeah. Remember we talked about it. It's domestic violence, intimate partner violence. It's, it just thrives in yeah. those kind of environment where you're, you're isolated and in your head, yeah. you're, you're thinking, this is all I have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like you mentioned your, your grandparents, Mm -hmm. mom and dad may not be listening because they're like no that's not, not happening or they no they didn't hear it and you're like oh, did I just say this so yeah, why yeah. would you bring it up a second time yeah yeah you know? exactly so true that they don't want to believe it and I never mm -hmm. thought about it that way right and mm -hmm. a child is often blamed to say oh you're lying or you're exaggerating you're not being truthful there's something that you 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 yeah, you know, he's having a tough time. He's really having a hard time. And, wow, that is, this is such a powerful conversation. So uh, and, all and the excuses that we, we tend to make, even the, the excuses that survivors, uh, you know, when they're reflecting back and they look at, they're like, oh, that was an excuse for his behavior. Yeah. And understanding that domestic violence, intimate partner violence, um, these are all choices. It's about power and control. It's yeah. not a mental illness. Uh, yes, certainly, right. 
it, it, it can get worse if there's drinking and drugs and alcohol and so forth that is involved. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. someone else is feeling that they have this right, they have this power over you. Yeah. And that's their choice to keep you in that situation. Right. Yeah. But I can tell you, Faye, the women we serve are some of the most courageous women that I know, and they inspire me, them and their children inspire me every day to go in and do this work because the courage that it takes for a woman to leave what she knows as security, a home, a bed for her child, a bed for her children, food in her in her home, um, possibly her, her car, what it takes to leave. And then to know that leaving is oftentimes the most dangerous time yeah. Yeah. for a woman or for a person to leave that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Is, wow. is incredible. And I'm inspired to continue to do this work for those and for all those who are being um, victimized and those who are survival um, wow. and are surviving right now. Wow, this is incredible. I mean, really is. Um, the timing couldn't be more perfect. So for anybody who's watching, listening, definitely learn more about Annette and also her organization, AFSNJ.org. Um, I do encourage you to contribute no matter how little it is. And, you know, winter clothings and, and gift cards. And if you don't know exactly what, just send them an email. They will certainly let you know. But thank you so much for your time, for joining me, answering all these questions and we'll catch up in the near future for sure yeah thank you so much for having me it's an absolute pleasure